Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us. On this uh, Wednesday afternoon, our thanks to Joe Susan joining us in the previous half hour to preview Bucknell's game coming up this weekend. This half hour, Neil Kulong from USA Today is going to join us to talk about the Steelers. We'll also revisit with Mark Wogenrich from the Allentown Morning Call, looking back at uh, Penn State and also talking about Matt Millen as well. We appreciate Mark's time. Uh, we also have coming up tomorrow, Chris Soleri from the Detroit Free Press on Michigan State. We'll talk with him. DJ Dozier will join us coming up on Friday show. The Kings here on Friday. Tomorrow, of course, our high school football roundtable. Greg Wetzel from uh, Lewisburg will join us. Uh, also, Zach Showers previewing Sealands Grove. And either Kevin or the coach Dick Hort will be previewing Shikolimi. That's tomorrow between 3.35 and 4 here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Steelers uh, right now are 2-2-1 two, two, and one in the season after beating the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. They've got the Bengals coming up this Saturday, uh, this Sunday. Uh, that game will be in Cincinnati. The Bengals are 4-1 and one in the season. Before we get to Neil, though, time now for our play-by-play call of the day. The Red Sox move on to the American League Championship Series in part because of a big home run by Christian Vasquez. And he swings and drives one to right. This is hit well. Back goes Judge toward the fence. Reaches up. And this ball is gone. A home run. It got over the wall. Into the first row of the seats. A Yankee Stadium home run for Christian Vasquez and it's 4-0 Red Sox. Christian's first postseason home run Judge went back and ran out of room. I mean, that was a first-row home run. Joe Castiglione with Tim Neverett there at the end. And the Red Sox, that proved actually to be the game-winning run uh, when the uh, Red Sox won last night. They won 4-3. to three. They hung on in the ninth inning. The Yankees scored two runs in the ninth inning and uh, were able to you know, scare the Red Sox, but uh, Boston closed it down and uh, beat the Yankees. I think it's appropriate that the game ended the way it did. A slow roller to third that Nunez threw that Steve Pierce stretched out as far as he could to get and nip uh, 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 Glaber Torres at the bag. I think it's appropriate for this reason. That's how close these two teams are. The Yankees and the Red Sox are that close in terms of talent across the board and an eyelash probably is what separates them, and that's what separated them in the end last night on the final play. All right, so the Red Sox go on to beat the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series. Brewers and Dodgers will meet in the National League Championship Series. Armas from the Associated Press in Wisconsin and joined us yesterday who uh, previewed the Brewers and the Dodgers for us. Uh, check it out on the Steve Jones Show podcast if you get a chance. All right, let's get to the Steelers now. The Steelers, at this moment, are 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Right now, every Steeler fan believes they're going to the Super Bowl. They've turned the corner after beating Atlanta. Um, they've got Cincinnati coming up this weekend. The Bengals are off to a 4-1 and one start. Steeler fans will tell you, well, they're the, quote, bungles, not the Bengals. And thus, they have all the confidence in the world that the Steelers can go in and win that game like they always do in Cincinnati. That's what they say. 
Le'Veon Bell says he's not returning until the bye week. Last I checked, the bye week was after the Cincinnati game. It's a real team guy you got going there. But don't worry, the Savior's on his way. With that, we bring in Neil Kulong, USA Today. Neil, welcome back. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, good good to be here. I'm Super Bowl bound. I'm excited for it. I think that's great. I mean, I I know the station booked hotel rooms this morning. All right. (laughs) And hopefully we'll be able to rent them out to somebody. All right. Uh, they won 41 to 17. Uh, but now let's get to obviously the Barnum and Bailey sideshow. Le'Veon, let's say, we'll get before we get the bell, he's not even the worst one. Antonio Brown is being sued after an alleged incident of throwing furniture off his balcony and almost hitting a child. And you, know, I, you probably don't know much more than that. I, I don't. I don't. I, I think, though, uh, from what we saw, that that pretty much covers everything except, and this is the part I can't really figure out, even in a fit of rage, even it, it brought to your absolute limit in terms of anger and hostility, why throw stuff out the window? Unless it's on fire. I mean, I, I don't understand why anybody would, would come to the conclusion that that's what you should do in that situation. Why don't you just break against the wall or something? Why would you throw it outside? Now he's got a much bigger problem on his hands. Um, to, to even suggest, though, he's thinking clearly about that and, and a lot of things is probably uh, more credit than should be given to him um, in, in what seems to be kind of a, a growing list of incidents off the field. Um, You've got to give him this, though. It, it's, he does it with a, a sense of panache. I mean, <laughs> this, this isn't your basic... You know, uh, it would, what used to be a, a DUI or a, a gun possession or whatever, he, he does stuff that other people just don't do. I mean, it really kind of fits his his, uh, his ability as a player as well. And not only that, it was the 14th floor. Yeah, that's a long way down. I mean, that's a long way down. That's, that's a long drop. Uh, the child was with his grandfather near the pool area of the complex when large items, including two vases, an ottoman, and other pieces of furniture fell close to them, according to the filings, which say the child has experienced anxiety and trouble sleeping since. I mean, when stuff is falling out of the sky, that I can see. <laughs> You're going to be a little freaked out by that, that's for sure. I mean, it's I, not even just one thing. It's multiple things. He's going back, grabbing more furniture to throw out there. Completely oblivious, at least you, you hope, that if, if nothing else, he just wasn't aware that there was anybody down there. He's just throwing it. doesn't make a difference where it's going, what he's doing, how he's doing it. I mean, it, it's just insane. They what, said what, Brown was, quote, agitated. Apparently, when Mr. Brown got upset, he started throwing things in the apartment, and the coffee table, which is a glass one, was broken along with a few other minor objects, according to the Sunny Isles incident report. <laughs> Sunny Isles. Uh, he also threw some objects from the balcony into the pool area, causing minor damage there as well. The aisle wasn't sunny that day, but no. the, the good news is he didn't seem to, to have hurt himself. My my first thought was, I wonder if that was a reaction to uh, the Steelers drafting Mason Rudolph, but it happened a, a couple weeks before the draft, I think. Maybe he was anticipating it. He saw it coming. Yeah, I mean, Sometimes when you are clairvoyant, it can set you off in a certain direction. All right, but he he was able to get a 100-plus yard, two-touchdown performance. Uh, did, did he look better out there? I, I thought, I, I think he's looked good. In, in not to, you know, 
the dynamic between a quarterback and a, a receiver is, is it's a very intricate thing. It's something that requires timing um, and, and really, you know, both sides kind of seeing what the other one's going to do. I haven't really seen that chemistry uh, up to this point. I think that might explain why uh, Antonio Brown was upset earlier uh, this season. But really, from, from what I've seen of it, Ben's missed him more often than, than Brown's made any type of mistake. Um, Brown's been doing the kinds of things that he does. Um, ben has just been a little bit off. I thought he looked a lot better on, yeah. on Sunday than he has most of this season. And the Steelers are, are still uh, trying to kind of figure out what they're going to do um, on the outside. They're, they're not getting great production outside the numbers, um, whether that's Brown or anybody else. Ben doesn't seem to be hitting those passes very well. They don't have other guys that are getting open um, deeper down the field. I, I think that's kind of plagued their offense to this point. Um, we saw Justin Hunter in week one. They threw deep to him four or five times. Um, didn't get anything from him at all, and he hasn't, he hasn't seen the field since. So I, I think they're still kind of looking for that. But the, the chemistry between Roethlisberger and Brown, it, that's really going to be the key component. I think we finally saw uh, a good amount of that Sunday. And Brown, you know, Brown kind of did what Brown oftentimes does, which is really just put teams away uh, late in the game with the plays that he made. He, he, I thought they played, Atlanta played him pretty strong. Um, they did a good job kind of containing him right away, but he's going to get his if they get him the ball um, often enough. Now, if, if, if Roethlisberger is still kind of in um, the rhythm that we saw on Sunday, I think they'll be fine. And I, that that was more of a typical game for the two of them than anything else we've seen this season, I think. Uh, we're still awaiting the arrival of the Savior. Uh, he will uh, be there probably at some point uh, just beyond the bye week. Uh, Saquon Barkley of the Giants is second in the NFL in missed tackles forced by a runner, uh, 27. Number one is James Conner of the Steelers with 32. Is there a little more wiggle to that Conner game that maybe we give credit to? It, it, it must be. Um, I've seen all of Conner's plays, and I've, I've seen that stat, and it kind of threw me off for a little bit. I might, you know... It, Getting into exactly how one would define a missed tackle, um, I, I, there might be a, a certain level of subjectivity to it. I, it doesn't seem to me like he's been all that elusive. Um, his stats, to some degree, can kind of back that up. But what we know is he played a really good game against Atlanta, and he played a really good game against Cleveland. In between that, probably not all that great. Um, he didn't get the, the opportunity, really, to do a whole lot in those games either, um, whether just simply not through carries or not you know, getting uh, all that much room after he got the ball. Um, what we're seeing, though, is he is certainly capable of being a good player. I, I do think he has a little bit more quickness than I thought he was going to um, coming out. I, I thought you, you see that perhaps as a receiver uh, more so than a runner right now, which is good news for the Steelers' offense. They, they need to have that component. And it looks to me like he's getting better and more comfortable with each game. I mean, he really had a fire lit under him uh, against Atlanta. He came out hard. Uh, it was obvious from the beginning he was going to be a big part of their plan. Uh, they challenged him. They challenged the offensive line, and, and the Steelers finally put together um, a consistent offensive game. And keep in mind, it was it was competitive at halftime. You know, the score probably got away from Atlanta a little bit more than uh, than what the game truly reflected. But they they competed hard uh, through four quarters, and I thought offensively they they had they were on a mission. They really wanted to go out there and, and do. Uh, considerably better than they have, and certainly that that's that's probably the best four quarter performance we've seen from them since last year. So it, it's definitely a, a positive sign. And Connor, uh, when when he is a part of that game plan and they are blocking well, um, he, he's going to pick up yards. I mean, it, what, another 180 from scrimmage or something. Um, he, he's a good player. He's doing a lot better, I think, than, than most people would have thought uh, at this point in his career. 
The Steelers will take on the first place Cincinnati Bengals then at Paul Brown Stadium. Bell doesn't think that's big enough to return, so he's out. Um, but also when he gets back, you and I both know he thrives on work. D'Angelo Williams got off to a fabulous start a couple of years ago. When Bell came back, right, he faded into oblivion. Do you expect the same thing to happen this time with James Hunter? Um, I, I think it, there was an interesting point that I saw uh, yesterday or the day before. I, I think what you're going to see, and on, on one hand, I, I will point out that I think this, this game against Cincinnati is going to determine the value of a lot of those games that Le'Veon Bell will be in. Uh, they really can't afford to lose this, all no. things considered. They're really going to have an uphill climb if they can't beat Cincinnati in this game. Um, but let, let's say that they do, which they, they usually beat Cincinnati. Going to the bye week, you're coming out of that with Le'Veon Bell there. You now have the luxury of being able to work him in a little bit. Um, you, you want to, to you know, give him a chance to get his legs underneath him, but this will be the first year in, in how long the Steelers will actually have a, a, a complementary ground game that's not beaten into submission. You know, it, it's either been Bell has been out or uh, he's, you know, running on his last tire tread for the season. Right. Um, they, they have not had the luxury of uh, that continued running presence late in the season just because of the amount of, uh, you know, touches that Bell has gotten. And to Bell's credit, he did a phenomenal job against Jacksonville last year, mm-hmm. um, a game that I don't think a whole lot of people would really blame on the offense. No. Um, he played really well in that game overall. But the, the idea of having two guys in there now, it, it creates – a, a, a different kind of dynamic within that offense. And that, that certainly isn't going to be a problem for them. They just, they have more things that they're going to be able to do uh, with two different guys in there. You can use bell in the slot. Now think of it that way. If Connor and sure. still in the backfield, that's something you brought up D'Angelo Williams. That was something they kind of toyed with um, early back in, in 2015, putting Williams and bell out on the field when bell came back from suspension. Um, I, I think you have more, dynamic ability coming from Connor than you would have uh, with Williams at that point. Williams probably a, a better straight-ahead runner, but Connor, uh, he's he's showing the ability to be able to go out and catch passes. He can run out, outside the tackles. Um, it, it, it definitely points to a, a, a stronger, um, you know, weapon, you know, arsenal uh, for the Steelers if they can get both of them back there healthy for, for the remainder of that season. But they, they're going to have to get through Cincinnati for it to matter. Because once they get through the bye, one, you know, after Cincinnati they have the bye week, they got three games in 11 days. I mean, so, I mean they're going to have to figure out something right away as to how they're going to handle both of them because what kind of game shape is Bell going to be in? Can he handle three games in 11 days? Yeah, he's going to have to, too. Um, he, he set this up, like you mentioned for yourself. I, I think the team would really like to have him back. Uh, against the Bengals, that that's just not how it's going to work out, and they can't really worry about it. But um, the the key thing with Cincinnati, I mean, right now the Steelers can only beat teams in the NFC. Uh, those aren't, you know, those are are way down the list on tiebreakers. And the way yeah. that the the AFC North is looking right now, the way the AFC in general is looking, it's going to be really competitive straight through to the end of the season. There are four teams in the AFC North right now that you could see potentially winning the division. I, right. I'm not betting on Cleveland right now, but I'm not going to bet against them either. Right. They played a great game defensively against Baltimore. It was a, a very good offensive team, like we saw last week. Um, they're going to have to start stacking AFC wins like crazy if they want to have any type of um, advantage over anybody later in the season. They're not going to have a whole lot left to give, and unfortunately you're going to have to play probably the best all-around team in the division 
uh, on the road to get to that point. So for for them, this is mission critical. It's a huge game for them. Are they playing, after watching them against Atlanta, do you feel like they're playing defense well enough now to challenge Cincinnati? I think so. I think this this was the kind of performance you, you hope to get from them. It, it's not that they uh, completely suffocated what is otherwise a, a, a very talented, very explosive Falcons. It, it's that they made big plays when they had to make big plays. Uh, they forced Atlanta to go the hard way. They're not a team that's going to turn the ball over a whole lot. The Steelers were able to, to you know make plays uh, against them in that regard. They got sacks. Um, you, you take away Watts kind of phantom roughing the passer call. Right. There's not really a whole lot of things to complain about from the, the overall effort that they got defensively. I wouldn't say that it was spectacular um, in, in the sense that they made splash play after splash play, but they, they were great on third down. Uh, they, they covered receivers. That's not really something they did the previous week or weeks. Um, it, it, it's coming together better in the sense that it, they looked like they had a much better sense of what they were trying to do uh, on a series-to-series basis. And I don't think we've seen that yet this season. Agreed. All right. Hey, Neil, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, and if you could do some research that when Bell returns, if he's going to borrow Antonio Brown's helicopter or not, would appreciate it. Oh, man, could you imagine? That yeah, would, <laughs> that would be something. That would, that would, that would be something. As always, thanks for having me, guys. We'll talk. No, to you. no, and I think to be honest with you, between you and me, I, I always felt it was a rental. So <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Maybe that's why when when Brown lost the uh, the Rolls Royce that he rolled into camp with a couple of years ago, that, that probably set him off to have to go call the cops and, and figure out where his car was. But he found it though, so that's good. He, he found his Rolls Royce. We're happy about that. Yeah. Kind of easy to pick out in the crowd. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's a Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. As opposed to a Yugo. All right. We'll yeah, talk to you next week, cool. Neil. Thanks. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Neil, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Neil Kulong, USA Today. Steelers, we got the Cincinnati Bengals. By the way, we're here at 100.9 The Valley. Coming up on Sunday as they play at Cincinnati. That is a 1 o'clock game between the Bengals and the Steelers. See what the Steelers can do. The interesting point about that was you look at what James Conner has done. And James Conner is coming off a fabulous performance. Uh, Sunday against Atlanta, he ran for over 100 yards. But uh, pro football focus tracks missed tackles. And number one in the NFL, actually, let's go with number two. Number two in the NFL in uh, t- missed tackles is Saquon Barkley with 27. James Conner is 32. Actually, has caused more missed tackles, broken tackles, than anybody else in the NFL among running backs so far this season. I mean, Connor's done well. I mean, you can't, you know, Le'Veon Bell does bring a lot to the table. There's no getting around it. He's an outstanding pass protector. He's an outstanding receiver that runs legitimate routes as a running back, and obviously, he's a really good runner. Uh, there's no no getting around it. Yeah, he and Todd Gurley are the two guys that you would put probably in that same category. You know, but here's the other part, too. It goes back to the old story I've told you so many times about uh, George Lapidus from the Memphis Statesman who had taken a job as sports editor, Red Smith, the legendary writer for the New York Times at the Masters. And he said, Mr. Smith, he said, I really started just started this job. He said, do you have any words of advice for me? And Red Smith said to him, I have two words for your, uh, of advice for you. And always remember that. Be there. So he told you, be there. In other words, you can't really cover it effectively unless you're there. Oh, guess what? You can't play it effectively in that unless you're there. Le'Veon Bell's not there. 
right? So he has not taken the Red Smith advice to be there. Uh, and, you know, they got a game with Cincinnati this week. Nope, he's still going to keep on going on his own deal until he comes in after this particular week. Yeah, he's not going to come in until after the bye week. This is a big game for the Steelers this weekend, right? And he's telling him no. And by the way, if he played this weekend, he would get paid almost $900,000. Mark Wogenrich coming up in the next half hour. Great to have you with us. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Do new car prices scare you? Then you haven't been to Sunbury Motors Kia. Sunbury Motors Kia takes the scariness out of new car shopping with 20 new 2018 Kias under 20 grand. They make it easy and affordable to own a new Kia. Choose from 2018 Kia Fortes, Souls, Rios, and Optimas. Kia is the home of America's best value. The 2019 Kia models will be rolling in, and Sunbury Motors Kia needs to move the 2018s now. All include Kia's 10-year, 100,000-mile limited powertrain warranty. New car shopping? Don't be scared. Come to Sunbury Motors Kia and choose from 20 new 2018 Kias under 20 grand. Sunbury Motors Kia on the Golden Strip in Hummel's Wharf and at sunburymotorskia.com. Taxes, tax, extra. Offer expire 1031.18. Restrictions apply. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see retailer or go to kia.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Final half hour of the show. Great to have you with us. So thanks to Neil Kulong joining us in the previous half hour. We wasn't quite on board with our endorsement that the Steelers are going to the Super Bowl. They're two, two, and one. Big game for them coming up on Sunday at Cincinnati at 1 o'clock. You'll hear it on 100.9, the Valley. Uh, big game. Le'Veon Bell, big game, won't play. Decides not to show up. Uh, he's going to show up in the bye week. Whatever's best for Le'Veon Bell is what uh, is going to be the key to all of this. Exactly what you want to teach the lesson of sports to your kids. Uh, the Eagles, of course, are playing tomorrow night. They will take on the Giants on Eagle 107 on Thursday night football. Both teams in bounce-back mode. The uh, Eagles, of course, beaten by the Vikings. And the Giants lost on a 63-yard field goal at the wire. Remember last year, Elliott hit a 61-yard field goal at the wire when the Eagles beat the Giants at the link. So it's the Eagles and the Giants tomorrow night. Merrill and Mike uh, on hand with Howard Eskin on Eagle 107 tomorrow evening. High School Football Roundtable is coming up tomorrow at 3.35. Also coming up tomorrow will be Chris Soleri of the Detroit Free Press to preview Penn State, Michigan State. You'll hear that game here on News Radio 1070 WKOK at 3.30 with a 2 o'clock airtime Saturday afternoon. Of course, Bucknell will be swinging back into action. Our thanks to Joe Souza who joined us in the previous half hour. Coming up on Friday's show, it's homecoming weekend, and DJ Dozier is going to be one of our guests coming up on Friday's show. He's going to join me right here in the Sunbury Motors studio, and uh, also uh, the King will be on as well. And again, the high school football previews tomorrow with Lewisburg, with Greg Wetzel, Josh Showers will check in on Sealands Grove, and either Kevin or uh, the coach to court will check in on Shikolami. Uh, coming up tomorrow as well. Yeah, Shikolami's got Southern Columbia this weekend. Wow. 
All right, today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, last week, we had a chance to visit with Mark Wogenrich of the Allentown Morning Call. We had a lot of reaction to this interview because it dealt with Matt Millen. And Matt being, of course, now on not one, not two, but three heart transplant lists. He's on the Mayo Clinic list, the Cedars-Sinai Los Angeles list. Now he's on the uh, Beth Israel uh, Newark list. And that, that probably is the most promising because that's within four hours of his home, which means he has the ability to get there like that. If need be, but now he's on three different lists. So we had a chance to talk with Mark. Mark, welcome back. It is great to have you with us. Thanks so much for your time. Great, appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. All right, uh, you had a chance to talk with Matt Millen. Uh, what's interesting is uh, he finally did get on a third list to go with uh, Cedar Sinai and the Mayo mm-hmm. Clinic, and that was to get on Beth Israel Medical Center's list in Newark, New Jersey. But they also found he had abnormal lung pressure along the way, which I'm not surprised by that after talking to him and seeing how often he was coughing when he was talking to me about a month ago. When you talked to him, how was he? It sounded really good. I mean, he is in the hospital. He it was um, he did the it was Nebraska Purdue game on Saturday. Said he felt fine, and Monday he was just going back to Israel for like you know, I guess uh, continuing my evaluation for um, the heart transplant and they found they did a heart cath and found that the um, there was the lung pressure was high and so they wanted to address that um, so he's on some medication for that and at the time they also told him we think it's probably in your best interest now to address uh, to get listed here for the transplant so he is now as I understand he's, he's going to be waiting there he's planning on doing it there it's just uh, now a matter of time um, you know when, when a heart becomes available I don't know all the logistics of being on uh, how long you have to wait and at what level. Uh, I mean, there are levels of uh, priority levels um, with regard to heart transplant uh, patients and donors. So there, uh, he said it could be a couple of days, could be six months. He really doesn't know. I think the main thing is if they get the they get the blood pressure down, that he might be able to get uh, released because he would be within four hours. Of Newark, um, and you have to be you have to be living within four hours of the place where you're going to undergo the transplant. That was one of the issues. I guess was one of the personal issues that he had with doing it uh, someplace outside the area, um, like uh, the, the Mayo Clinic or Cedar Sinai, just because he would have to relocate. He had wanted to do football the whole season, but now I, it sounds like he's just he's going to be uh, awaiting, you know, waiting that. So while he's doing that, he can't uh, he can't do the football. He can't. Uh, you know, broadcast the Big Ten games, and one of the things he said was two things that bugged him the most were not being able to cover football, you know, call, yeah. call football games, and not being able to get in his woodworking shop. Well, in fact, you know, that's mm-hmm. something easy. You know, you and I both know how he loves to be in that shop, and we know yeah. how much he loves football. He was building I've doors, felt that, you know, last that, week. So. Yeah, right. Uh, I've always felt that if you have something you're passionate enough and you enjoy it, when you go through something like this, it's that kind of release that helps you get through it much yeah. easier. This is going to be much tougher, I think, for Matt, because he doesn't have not just one of them. He's not have, going to have either one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was going there. It sounded like he was going a little stir-crazy. <laughs> and that, yeah. I'm sure, it was like Patty is going to be there. And he's got a lot of a couple of wrestling coaches from Lehigh Valley area were driving in to visit him today. Um, 
But yeah, the, 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 for him, I think the mental side of that, you know, therapy. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you watched the Big Ten Network story on it, but they really gave a visual to how he makes the um, how he makes that therapy, how he makes his, you know, his you know, the the things he makes, you know, his, his building and his his woodworking and his uh, that sort of thing. How he turns that into like personal therapy. So that you know, I'm sure as positive an attitude as he's, as he has. And as realistic also as an attitude he has that that is going to be, you know, just one of the little things that he's going to have to be able to work through while he's waiting and then, too, um, recovering. Well, my point about him is simple. I'm sure he's he's a great and cooperative patient. Well, the fact that he's not doing anything. I don't know that I'm sure about that. uh, Well, I think he's going to drive him nuts. How about that? Yeah, 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 exactly. He's going to drive the staff nuts because he can't do anything. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, but what people should realize that where his heart capacity is right now, he's under the one third level right now. Yeah, and and that means um, that means he just simply can't, you know, he simply can't handle you know real strenuous tasks for longer than uh, you know an hour or two things like that and he really gets winded real easily and I, you know one of the things what they were addressing with the heart transplant is that amyloidosis is it, it, it's recurring it's not curable it's treatable you go through chemotherapy and it can reduce the amyloid levels in the organs so but that but it also means that it's not curable so it's going to recur now, by addressing the heart transplant, because that is the organ that the um, the amyloidosis uh, affected in him, a heart transplant then uh, would the, the, his new heart would still be susceptible to the amyloidosis. However, they could treat it, and so it would be it wouldn't have the the quick degener- uh, degeneration that it had um, when it went when his amyloidosis went untreated or undiagnosed, and then uh, you know by turn untreated over the last like five or six years. He also made it very plain to you that Penn State, uh, you know, when it came to the conversation about elite, and I think you and I both know that conversation by James Franklin Saturday it was directed to recruits up there uh, more than anything else. But uh, but Matt, as usual, was opinionated about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, you know, I, all I had to do was say, "So, did you watch the game?" <laughs> and you know, and then ten minutes later, he's telling me how you know. The, the, I've, you know, for him, that kind of he doesn't really get into that sort of that the nature of that sort of discussion. The right. that thirty thousand foot um, program analysis. He was more looking at it from the fact that, you know, for him, he thought Penn State played in order of magnitude better against Ohio State than against um, Appalachian State, which is the game that he did for Big right. Ten Network back in September. He even told me, he said, I thought the uh, the fourth, as everybody else, I'm sure, is diagnosing that or still, you know, diagnosing that. He thought the, the fourth and five call itself was good because it would have popped had uh, Greg Schiano not called the, the defensive twist and had Chase Young not hit it, you know, on fourth down and got inside to hit Miles Sanders. So even that, he thought, thought it was a good call. It's just Greg made a... Greg made a better defensive call, and you know that's kind of the way his mind works with those football things. Um, but he was he was really more he was really impressed with the way the defense had played, well at least through three quarters, um, especially in kind of handling a little bit of the way uh, Ohio State ran. And he just said, I, you know, I think this is a team that's proven 
how you know that it is at least in that conversation with regard to great and elite that sort of thing. And I guess if you, know, you look back, what the last five games, Ohio State, Penn State games, four of them are decided by what is I don't you know I, the number ten points total, and one of them goes to overtime back in 2014, and then the last three obviously. So yeah. th- that's kind of where he's where he's getting at is like these two teams are at least closer now. One than they were a couple of years ago, and then two than than people might consider might expect. All right, now here's the uh, next part. Let's move on to the game at, at the one that was played out on Saturday night. What were your thoughts on watching? I mean, these two heavyweights go toe to toe in the center of a 100 yard ring. <laughs> I didn't consider it like that, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what it was. That's the way. That is how I viewed it. I saw Penn State's defense, as, as I'm sure everybody suspects, played punched above its weight and for most of that game. I didn't expect them to be able to affect affect Ohio State's uh, run game the way it kind of did, affect the pass game the way it did. Um, I don't know the numbers necessarily, but I, you know, I don't know how many actually throws downfield that Dwayne Haskins completed. I haven't gone back and actually looked at that, but it wasn't. You know, I mean, well, you know, I, I, I can give you yeah. the numbers. Behind the line of scrimmage, <laughs> of Mark, behind the line of scrimmage, he was 12 of 14 passing. Beyond the right, line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. he was 10 to 22. Is it 10 to 25, okay. I mean? 10 to 25, 40%. Yeah. And the, the big plays that they, you know, I, I, when I saw that to Haskins, I mean, no offense to him, I think he's got a great future, but when he was named the Big Ten Offensive Player of, of the Week, I thought, that might have, if you're going to give it to somebody from Ohio State, that might have gone with their receivers, because yeah, those are the right. guys who actually, just they got the yards, they were just catching swing passes and screens and things like that, and then getting it over, and then finding lanes or breaking tackles or, or getting into space. I just... Athletically, Penn State is probably still just on on the broad scale, on the broad frame of their roster, that one to eighty five or even the one to fifty on the scholarship guys. Probably a, another year or so, year or two behind Ohio State. It showed up maybe in the fourth quarter um, when those guys just got some lanes, got some free space, and took off. I think they're right there. They're really close. You have to be right there when you've got back to back one point losses and, and a three point win against, you know, just a consistently uh, top-tier program like Ohio State. They are at that point. They are right there. Uh, no, I think they're right on top of it. It just missed a couple of, you know, missed a couple of tackles there at the end, and he, and he gave up, you know, even before the, even before fourth down, he gave up the huge sack on first down. That set you back, and that to me was just as yeah. big a play as fourth down. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. I think where Penn State, what they need is they need a few more guys that can give you 10 to 15 plays in a game, mm-hmm. keep your guys from playing 80 plays, but give you 10 to 15 plays in the game where during those 10 to 15 plays you don't have a drop-off. That, I mean, that's what I see. Yeah. And you, uh, it looked like they were trying to – Penn State was trying to develop that through the first month, which was the, yeah. the, the substitutions and, and how – not just it wasn't just like inflection guys here and there. I mean, it was wholesale changes of nine guys at a time and whole defensive lines and whole second units, you know, basically. And sometimes it kind of came back to bite them on certain situations. And I think, you know, looking back on that, maybe that's kind of what they were going for in that month. Say, look, we got to develop this as much as we possibly can. And so when we get to Ohio State, 
when we get to Michigan State, when we get Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, that sort of that stretch, that we will have identified those players. And I think after um, – it was, I guess, after the Illinois game, or exactly which, or you know, between the games, obviously before Ohio yeah. State, when they, when James Franklin said that he hadn't developed that defensive eleven yet, and you, I guess you kind of saw that in a way uh, come up against, you know, uh, against Ohio State. I think their starters, the starting defense, played really well. It just, yeah, they did. You know, he said it and it got into the fourth quarter, and he just, you know, you get heavy legged. In, inside the last four minutes, and and you you can't chase somebody down, or you just lapse on a tackle, and that's the margin. It's that's the game where so, yeah. it's a game. Yeah, it's a game where home run hitters make a big difference. You talked about Benjamin Victor's play, home mm-hmm. run play, KJ Hill home run hitter kind of play. Yeah. How much did it hurt Penn State down the stretch not having a KJ Hamler? That had to be a huge impact. I'm wondering whether you know that last series, what they could have, would they have gone to Hamler on that last series though? Because I mean, uh, Pat Frymuth had the big play uh, on on that very last series. Just knowing that he's there, though, knowing that there's a guy who I'm seeing KJ make some some tougher catches too, and that he can run a short route as well as he can run the deep route. I mean, the 95-yarder or the 93-yard play wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bomb throw downfield. It was just a slant that he goes. Putting him out there, at least, you know, maybe Ohio State's defense is going to have to keep at least an eye on him. They probably wouldn't be looking to go home run on that last series, but if you can get him loose, just spring him that is that traces and throwing downfield, but throws a high percentage ball that then KJ can take and, and go another 15, 20, 30 yards, whatever it is. That was, yeah, that was a missing component that, uh, that if they didn't, even if they didn't run that play, at least it was something Ohio State had to consider. Or, or, or it opens up if for somebody else because they've drawn a little yeah. extra attention toward them. Exactly, and that's how Trace was able to run. I think some of those just they gave him those gaps. They said, you know, we're, they were looking at KJ and and then looking at some of the receivers and that, that kind of stuff, and and they left that middle open. They they didn't kind of leave a linebacker to at least that often to look at to look at Trace and keep an eye on him and, and just let him let him you know, game those ten, fifteen yards that he uh, he pretty assertively took. Mark, always a pleasure. Great to talk with you. Thanks for the update yeah, thanks, on Matt Steve. Millen as Absolutely. well. We appreciate thanks, it a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Steve. All right. Our thanks to Mark Wogenrich. Alan Time morning call for the update on Matt Millen and also talking Penn State football that at the line Saturday will take on Michigan State at Beaver Stadium. Kickoff is set for 3.30. We're on beginning at 2 o'clock here on News Radio 1070 WKOK and on WKOK.com. Chris Soleri from the Detroit Free Press is going to join us on tomorrow's show. Uh, Chris has covered Michigan State for years, so we will talk with him uh, coming up on tomorrow's show about Michigan State and uh, where they are right now. They have a lot of injuries on that football team, which is something Penn State can't worry about at all. Uh, And uh, also, coming up on Sunday, the Steelers will take on the Bengals. That will be on 100.9 The Valley. And tomorrow night, the Eagles and Giants are on Eagle 107 with Merrill, Mike, and Howard. And again, that's on Eagle 107. Bucknell football, of course, Saturday. That also is on Eagle 107. High school football, Sealands Grove on Eagle 107. 
on Friday night. Lewisburg on 100.9, the Valley and Shikolimi will be on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Kevin and the coach on beginning at 6.30 with a 7 o'clock kickoff against Southern Columbia. Coming up uh, on tomorrow's show, we'll have our high school roundtable with Zach Showers, Greg Wetzel, and, of course, uh, either Kevin or the coach, one of the two tomorrow. I mentioned Chris Solari will be on the show tomorrow. Still trying to work to get Lisa Salters on. Lisa's going to be the uh, Grand Marshal of the Homecoming Parade at Penn State, so we're still trying to work to get her on the show probably tomorrow. DJ Dozier is going to join me here in the Sunbury Motors studio on Friday. The King here as well with picks coming up on uh, Friday as well. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Of course, last night the uh, Red Sox closed out the Yankees in the American League Division Series 4-3. to uh, We've talked about analytics, and I've said many, many times, look, uh, in fact, I did a lot of homework last night watching Michigan State tape last night. I watched a lot of Michigan State tape last night, and I also sat down and looked at the analytics package for Michigan State. So, look, I'm using it, all right? I'm using it because I think it's important. Uh, For example, uh, the analytic of Dwayne Haskins, uh, 42% under pressure. Small sample size, but 42%. Well, you watched how that analytic played out in front of you in Beaver Stadium two weeks ago. Well, same thing with Brian Lewerke. He is a 67% passer on the season, but he's 47% when under pressure. Analytics. But then you, you could take it too far. Uh, Mike uh, Axis uh, from CBS Sports, okay? Third inning. He's complaining about why CC's bat was left in. Uh, Andrew Benatendi hit by a pitch, 46% chance Yankees win. Steve Pierce single to center, 36.6%. J.D. Martinez sacrifice flag as Red Sox 1-0 lead, 38.8%. Xander Bogart grounds out to pitcher, 40.6%. Ian Kinsler double the left, gives the Red Sox a 2-0 lead. Now the Yankees have a 30% chance of winning it. Eduardo Nunez, single to left, gives the Red Sox a 3-0 lead, 22% of winning. I mean, that's what we're down to now? Criticizing Aaron Boone about how he played it out. All right, we will talk to you tomorrow with Chris Soleri here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.